Jenkins supports testing right out of the box with some cool extensions to unit test. However, many people are using PyTest for their Django testing, mostly using the PyTest Django plugin. Adam Parkin, who is known online as Codependent Coder, joins us to talk about migrating an existing Django project from unit test to PyTest. Adam tells us just how easy this is. Thank you, Patreon supporters, for your continued support of the show. And thank you, PyCharm, for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Testing Code, Python testing for software engineers. Welcome to Testing Code. I am really excited today to have Adam Parkin on the show. Welcome, Adam. Hey, thanks for having me. And you go online, you go by Codependent Coder. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. We're going to talk about testing in Django and just run from there. First, who are you, Adam? What do you do? <laughs> Hi, uh, um, I'm Adam. I, I'm currently a senior software developer at a company called Bambora. We do online payments. And as you mentioned, like in my spare time, I, I have a blog called The Codependent Coder, where I kind of write a bit about things I've learned in Python, mostly in Python, because that's sort of where my passion lies, and also testing and other topics like that. Okay. I think you have an explanation somewhere, but why Codependent Coder? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a funny story. So years ago, I was working at a, uh, it was actually one of my first tech jobs. And a colleague of mine put up a pull request and was requesting a review on it. And she she said to me, you know, Adam, can you please review my code? Because the codependent coder in me needs validation. And something sure. about that, just like the name, just like it sounded really kind of funny and just jive with me. At the time, I was I wanted to start a Twitter handle that was for tweeting out developer related stuff. I already had a sort of a personal Twitter account, but I wanted something where I could just post stuff related to development. So I went to uh, get the Twitter handle Codependent Coder, like with ER at the end. But unfortunately, that was just a little bit too long for a Twitter handle. So I had to drop a, a letter. So I dropped the, the E between the, the D and the R at the end. That was how it started. Okay, so the, you've got two words, Codependent and Coder. And the Coder is the one you thought to make shorter? Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> I kind of regret that decision, actually. And like the domain for my blog is the same thing. It's like Codependent Coder, like C-O-D-R. Yeah. I should, probably should grab the domain C-O-D-E-R as well, just so that, you know, there's less confusion. But Yeah, no, no, anyway. that's, that's fine. It works for me. Anyway, so we were going to talk about Django and testing, but do you use Django mostly on personal stuff, or do you use it at work? Or? Uh, kind of both. The company I'm at now, when I started there, the team I landed on, we had five different little microservices that we were managing. And three of them were, at that time, were written in Django. The other two, one was written in Flask, and one was actually an AWS Lambda function. We eventually migrated the two of those to also be Django projects. So at this point, all five are, are Django-based. And, you know, most of my day-to-day -day development work is in Django now, so. Even some applications went from a Flask service to a Django microservice? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we did that because we sort of we sort of reached a point where there's a bit of a cognitive switch when you switch from one framework to the other, right? So like most of our work was being done in Django, and then there would be the odd ticket that would come up, and we'd have to do something on that service that was written in Flask, and then you'd you know you'd start writing some code, and you'd do the Django thing, and you'd be like, oh wait, this isn't a Django project, and then you'd have to make that mental switch in your head. Oh, okay, now I have to do this the Flask way, and okay, the, that sort of overhead was kind of became significant over time, and so we wanted to sort of have sort of this uniform structure in all our projects and sort of that sort of same familiarity if you jump from one project to another. And so we just aligned on Django. That makes sense. I mean, I think that I wanted to touch on that and come back to it because cool. the time and mental energy 
to switch back into different mindsets is non-zero. So people, I mean, it makes sense. Even if any any particular project have made more sense on a different or be, just be fine in, in Flask or in any other framework or maybe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fast API or something. Sometimes it's not the computer time or whatever that makes most sense. It's uh, the people involved. That yeah, 100% decisions. agree with that. Yeah. So, okay, sorry, I cut you off. But you also, uh, I think you were continuing on, you use it for personal stuff as well? or Yeah, so, I mean, just because I'm kind of a fan of the framework, and when I, I do stuff in my personal time, it tends to be Django-related as well. Okay. Just because I'm, I'm a big fan of the framework. All right, cool. I got to admit, I'm, I'm uh, very much a novice. I've used it just a little bit. And people that listen to the show are probably annoyed that I'm saying that I'm just getting <laughs> into it and have been a novice for about two years now. But I've got a lot of other stuff going on, man. Honestly, I can relate to that. Like, I mean, I... <laughs> do it for my day job and I still feel like I'm learning parts of the framework every day. Yeah. With testing wise, um, you showed me a little example of some example tests. So do you, and how some of the differences between testing Django with PyTest and unit test. So let's talk about that a little bit about that transition. Yeah. So, so by default, like a normal Django project, like if you read the Django documentation, the sort of quick start tutorial, it walks you through writing some unit tests for a basic Django application. And sort of the convention in Django land is you're to use the sort of classic unit test style. You know, you create a class that inherits from a particular class, and then your tests or methods are defined on that class. In Django land, they actually provide you a couple. You don't inherit from the test case class in the unit test library. You actually inherit from a class called test case that's in that Django provides. It actually in, inherits from the, the unit test test case class. This inherited entire car. It, like I'm waving my hands here. It's, it would be yeah. nice if I could draw a picture. But <laughs> anyways, this Django test case class that they provide provides a whole bunch of ni- little nice things for you. Like, for example, the setup and teardown on that class will spin up a, a database for you and tear down that database when you're done. There's a sort of a client object that it provides that allows you to sort of simulate web requests. That's very, very handy for, for testing, in particular, your views. And all those niceties come for free with you if you just inherit from that base test class, test case test class that Django provides. And so that's fine. So like when I started at the company I'm at now, like we had these projects that were written in Django and they were all using that default test runner in that Django comes with. And we reached a point where, so rather I reached a point where we were doing performance goals for the year and I had worked on another project where we decided to use PyTest and I was really enthusiastic about that tool, and I wanted to try using it, bringing that tool to um, the projects we were, we were now managing. And so I set a performance goal for myself that I negotiated with my manager to transition all these services we had to using PyTest as the test runner. And we started down that journey, and it started with actually that one, one of those microservices that was not Django-based. Um, a colleague of mine did the, the work to convert it to a Django project, and he put the code up for review, and I thought, well, this is my perfect opportunity to try and convince somebody to you know, start switching something to PyTest. And I left a comment on the review saying, so I see right now it's using the default test runner. What would it take to switch this to PyTest? And it was really interesting because like, initially there was a few people who were very resistant to that change. And I think a lot of that is just one of the things about Django is it's a very opinionated framework. And so if you do things the Django way, it tends to be very easy and you, you just, you're working with the framework. Whereas when you try to sort of move outside of the sort of norm with Django, it tends to feel very uncomfortable and awkward, and it feels like you're fighting the framework. And I think there was that perception that if we switch the test runner from the one that Django provides to PyTest, we're going to run into that tension and that friction. 
there was initially a bit of resistance to that. And so this colleague of mine, I, he was great about it. He like he actually took the time to dive into trying it out. And he sat down and he like took a, this project and switched the test runner to PyTest. And he actually found that it was actually quite easy. And so it was a nice, really early, easy win. And that's where it got us started on that path. And then throughout the rest of the, I think it was a few months, we eventually migrated all five services to the, now they're all using PyTest as the test runner. Okay. When you say test runner, have you, is it also t- switching the tests to not use the test case pattern? That's a good question. We haven't rewritten any of the existing tests. We're now at the point now we're in the last month or two, we're starting to, uh, it really depends on the, the person writing the code. Like some people are still writing tests that inherit from test case and following that style. And that's fine. That works, right? PyTest will happily run those unit tests for you. Yeah. And some people are really gravitating, like myself included, are gravitating towards the, you know, PyTest of, you know, you write test functions. And we haven't done, gone back and rewritten the old test because largely because there really hasn't been any need to. I mean, PyTest will run those fine and they still fail when they are supposed to fail and pass when they're supposed to pass. So... Thank you, PyCharm, for sponsoring this episode. PyCharm 2020.1 is out, and oh, what a treat. Git integration was already amazing, but now it's even better. You can do interactive rebasing. That's cool. You can choose to have the commit window appear as a tool window next to your code instead of a pop-up. I really like that. Branch searching is now easier, and you can even install Git right from PyCharm. Heck, you can now even install Python right from PyCharm. There's improvements to the virtual environment support and improved support for adding packages to requirements.txt files if you use those. There's even a new charm command line tool that opens a light edit version for quick edit jobs that don't require all the bells and whistles. You can split the terminal window now to see the output of two commands at once. You can configure the status bar. There's improved database support with SQL script run configurations. They've even improved the font with the JetBrains mono typeface. Now that's attention to detail. You got to check this out. And you may as well start with the pro version. It's free for four months only if you go to testingcode.com slash PyCharm. Save time, use PyCharm. Yeah. The initial push for the, the that initial pilot project was just switching the runner over and running PyTest instead of unit test. Yeah. Okay. That's like for a non-web project, that's like a non-zero. Sw- I mean, that's just a pretty easy switch. Yeah. You can just run PyTest instead of unit test on the command line or whatever. Is it more than that with uh, Django then? Potentially. So for the most part, no. For the most part, you can just like go PyTest space and then, you know, point it at the directory where your tests are and it'll just run the existing tests where, where it can get a bit, where you might run into issues is if you write PyTest style unit tests and you want those Django niceties like that client object or, you know, having it set up or t- and tear down a database before every test, that's all defined on that test class that Django provides. So if you're writing test functions, suddenly, well, you don't have those niceties anymore. Oh, right. Yeah. So the question kind of becomes, well, how do you, I mean, I want those things. Those things are very, very helpful for writing, you know, robust tests. So how do I get those if I'm going to write PyTest style tests? And that's where the PyTest Django plugin comes in. Okay. And so are you you're using the PyTest Django plugin then? Yeah. Technically speaking, like if you write all your tests in the sort of classic, you know, you inherit from test case style, PyTest will run those fine. So you technically don't need PyTest Django if if you're going to adhere to that style. But if you're using PyTest and you want to like go full bore on using PyTest and you want things like parameterized testing and all those niceties that that PyTest provides, you pretty much at some point have to start writing 
PyTest style tests like the test functions, in which case you kind of then do need PyTest Django if you want all those niceties that you get for free for, with Django. Okay, so PyTest Django will provide things like ways to start up your database and things then? Yeah, so the big one is it provides a PyTest mark. I think it's Django underscore DB. And so if you go like PyTest mark equals PyTest dot test Django underscore DB, now all the tests in that module will get that database set up and tear down for free. Okay. You can also apply it as a decorator on an individual test if you prefer that. That might can be useful for like if your test doesn't actually need a database, then need that mark. And obviously there's a cost associated with that database set up and tear down. So you can avoid that overhead if if you don't need it, which is nice. You get that with a mark? That's cool. So it's just yeah. a, that's an interesting style. It is. It's actually that was one of the things that like a lot of the people who were less familiar with PyTest when we first started putting that in some of our test classes, or sorry, test modules, they would kind of look at that line and it's like PyTest mark equals this weird identifier and be like, well, that's all it's doing is this weird assignment at the top of the module. That that shouldn't have any effect. But in fact, and so then they comment that line out and run the test and everything blows up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a bit of a surprise there for, for a lot of people, but it's, it's a learning opportunity, right? Oh, yeah, that's cool. Has everybody jumped on the uh, PyTest bandwagon? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I think so. Like, I mean, every, like for the most part, if you don't want to write PyTest style functions, you still don't have to. You can write tests the way you did before, and that's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, and you can do things the way you have always done, and it just works. But it means that now people who want to take advantage of those niceties, they, they can. And some people are starting to dabble with that. Like, we ha actually had our first pull request with some parameterized tests that went up like, I think it was like a month and a half ago or maybe two months ago. And so we're starting to see, take advantage of those things, which is, which is kind of nice. All the tests, if you're setting up a database at a module level, do all the tests within that module have to play nice and make sure they don't mess each other up? How does that work? Are you speaking specifically sort of about the database aspect? Yeah. Is it a persistent database that for each, for all of the tests yes. that are going on? Sorry, I, I guess I could explain that a bit better. So in stock Django, when it creates the, the test database, it'll, when it starts the test run, it spins up a database, applies all the database migrations to that database to put it into that sort of initial known state. And then in the setup of each individual test, it will start a transaction, run your test, and then the teardown will be rolling back that transaction. So it only creates the database once for the entire test run. And then each individual test is run inside a, a database transaction, which ensures that sort of isolation between tests. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. The PyTest plugin do that this as well? It does. Okay. It does. Like once you, once you add that market, it has the exact same behavior. Okay. So is there a way to, like, let's say I've got some, I guess the, all the migrations, is there a way to set up your initial state so you can have a non-empty database to for a whole set of tests? Yeah, you can. There's, I haven't played with them a whole lot myself, but you know, there's like, I can't remember the term, the Django, I think it's database fixtures, which is confusing from for PyTest people, right? Because we think of fixtures in a different way. But there's essentially data that you can have, say, when my test database gets spun up, insert all this data into the database at the start. And so that there's data in the database that is in a known state. Okay, cool. And uh, you said maybe that you had some surprising wins with <laughs> the switch to PyTest? Yeah. So that, that was actually, so for myself personally, like the big thing for me that I wanted to get in switching to PyTest is I wanted to be able to start writing parameterized tests. My background before I was writing code in Python is I did a fair bit of testing in Java and using JUnit, and I saw the value of parameterized testing there. So like switching to PyTest was like from a personal ulterior motive perspective, 
I just want to be able to do that in Python. And certainly we get that and that's great. But one of the things I didn't expect was, so when you run PyTest, at the end of a test run, it produces all those warnings at the end. Like if it finds things that are kind of like a little bit not best practice or, you know, you know, maybe if you're using something that's deprecated or whatever, things like that, or it's spat out at the end of the test run. And so when we first did that first migration of that project to PyTest, we it actually spat out this warning about a regular expression we had to find in this middleware module that's actually used across all five microservices. And had we not gotten that warning, we would never have identified that potential bug and we never would have fixed it. And that we got that for free just by using PyTest as the test runner. We had a similar win with there's a one of our services has a, a third party dependency and we were getting these warnings at the end of the test run that was pointing to the code inside that module and it was a deprecation warning. And as it turned out, at the time we were running Python, actually I think we're still running Python 3.7. But the deprecation warning was about something that was going to go away in Python 3.8. So because we saw that warning, we knew we had to upgrade that library. And we got to do that work before we do the, micro, the switch to Python 3.8, as opposed to after the fact when we update to 3.8 and suddenly things start blowing up. And then we have to like scramble to upgrade that library. So it was nice to get that sort of initial heads up on that problem. And we have a similar warning right now about that's pointing at actually the the specific LTS version of Django we're using, there's a deprecation warning that once we go to, that will be fixed when we switch to Django 2.2, which is the newer uh, long-term support version, which we're planning on doing soon. And again, it's like these warnings just gave us some heads up on some some problems that were going to be coming down the pipe later. And we got to get ahead of them, which is huge. It was super helpful for us. Yeah. I never would have expected that. That's an interesting thing to to notice. I'm I remember when uh, PyTest PyTest. So a lot of people when they're just playing around with Python, they don't turn warnings all the warnings up as loud as yeah. they can be. Yeah. But PyTest by default turns all those on. And yeah, exactly. And you can dial it down if you want to, but it's one of those things of like now that you know you should go fix it instead of turning off the warnings. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it's a that's an interesting thing. I. It was surprising to surprising to my team when we had had tests fail, not because there were new things uh, wrong with our system, but because we had um, you know deprecated Python code within our test modules and stuff. So yeah, yeah, cool. Since everybody's, um, how big of a team you got then? Uh, so the development team as a whole in my office is about. 25-ish people. My actual team team, like we have teams within that team, and my team is currently about five people. Okay. One of the things that I, um, I've i heard before with, uh, with teams that uh, bring on, like somebody that's really excited about PyTest, but somebody, other people that are, you know, going along because they don't want to make waves or anything, sometimes the, a complaint will come off that um, code in fixtures is hard to find. Any problems with that? I've heard that concern raised. I haven't experienced that problem yet myself. As I said, I think right now, like so far, we've sort of just dipped our feet a little bit into the taking advantage of all the PyTest goodies. Okay. So we might not have run into that one yet. <laughs> I use PyCharm a lot, and and it has the ability to just jump to the definition if it runs across it. So, mm -hmm. But it is, I mean, they are a little different that within... Most Python code, something's either defined in the code you're looking at or it's defined in a uh, module that you've imported. Yeah. But fixtures can show up. They can be defined in a conf test file somewhere. I guess that's the part where some people get confused. But um, 
I never have, but uh, I, I've been using it for quite a while, though. So yeah, it's it's a familiarity thing, right? Like once once you've seen that, you kind of know it. But until you've seen it, it's kind of when you first see it, it's kind of surprising. Yeah. So development wise, do you think developing the parameterization has helped you then? In you are you using that in Django tests then? A little bit. Like we don't have a ton of parameterized tests yet, and I. I think just culturally, I think there's a bit of, there was initially a bit of resistance to using parameterized tests because I think like any technique, they can be overused or used in a way that's perhaps less than ideal. Yeah. Uh, but so like we, we've only sort of dabbled into them so far, but they have been helpful so far. Okay. As far as developing tests, once you get over the hurdle of just whatever boilerplate you got to add or something, Yeah. which um, you were nice enough to show me an example of a, a Django project that has switched to uh, from using unit tests to using PyTest, and it's really just not that much different. No, it's not, actually. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there's just really not that much different. Oh, yeah, now I see that mark. You do the little PyTest mark equals PyTest mark Django DB. Mm-hmm. And that's all you, and that just sets it up. That's just sweet. Yeah. Anyway, and then your test is uh, using a client fixture. Is that the, uh, is that equivalent to some unit test thing? So in the, base test case class that that Django provides, there's a client attribute defined on that class that is the same thing. So in in a classic Django unit test, a Django test case test, you can go like self.client.post and then the URL you're hitting and parameters to that that endpoint and so on and so forth. And that simulates an actual HTTP call to your, your Django application at that endpoint. That client argument you see in that PyTest test is just, that comes from PyTest Django. It provides that fixture for you for free. And that's just sort of universally available once you have PyTest Django as a dependency. And then you can do the exact same thing. You can go like client.post or client.get or client.put. Okay. You know. So within the test itself, test case itself, you're not really doing that much different. It's just a, the the outer structure. That's pretty clever. That's mm-hmm. nice. Uh, so developing tests within PyTest with PyTest Django's, even if you were not going to take advantage of parameterization or anything, it shouldn't be too much of a hurdle to just switch over. Development-wise, you shouldn't be spending more time with PyTest. I mean, I guess you could argue you could t- spend less because you you don't have to keep typing self, but uh, that's not that huge of a deal. But the um, as far as running goes, does it run about as fast as unit tests, or have you looked in, into that actually no that's a good question that's so that is one of the the cons we've sort of experienced in the switch to to PyTest is the tests do run a little bit slower the nice part is because these are microservices each individual project the number of tests in a single microservice is relatively small it's probably on the order of like hundreds or maybe a little over a thousand which isn't a ton of unit tests. So the, the runtime, like it went from like seven, eight seconds to like 13, 14 seconds kind of thing. So like in terms of, you know, CI, that's that's nothing, right? It's completely inconsequential. As a developer on your machine, if you're doing like, you know, TDD and you're running the test all the time, that does get a little annoying. Hmm. One of the things I've sort of started adopting recently is taking advantage of that dash LF flag for PyTest, that last failed flag. Yeah. That's a super huge time saver for me because I'll like write my bit of code, run the test, and then you know one test fails or two tests fail. And then I can just like make my change, type PyTest dash LF, and then I'm only rerunning those t- two tests that fail. And then once I'm finally done and everything's green, I can rerun everything and see that everything is green once again. Yeah, yeah, I love that flag. 
Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> I heard about it on this podcast, so thanks for that tip. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I don't know if they use the flag with internally, but I love that in PyCharm you can just rerun just the failed as well with just a button. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's handy. Thanks so much uh, for uh, telling me about all your transition from unit test to PyTest within Django. This has been really fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. If people want to know more about you, you have the, the blog at CodeBennett Code Coder. Is that a .com or an org? Or? Uh, .com. .com. Okay, cool. Any final words before we sign off? Uh, no, I think we kind of covered everything. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, and we will. Um, I'll catch in with you later. Cheers. Thank you, Adam. Great info there. Thank you, Patreon supporters, for supporting the show. Join them by going to testandcode.com slash support. And thank you, PyCharm, for sponsoring this episode. The link for the extended pro trial is at testandcode.com slash PyCharm. That link is also in our show notes at testandcode.com slash 110. That's all for now. Now go out and test something. <laughs>